Praise the Lord. How y'all doing? My name is Liddell Bugs. This is my booth thing. Girl, how you feeling? And uh, Cynthia, we have been, there's a picture y'all can show us of us looking fine. Hey, look, we look fine. Look at that thing. Boy, I tell you, take the picture. Um, we have been married for 15 years, and we have two sweet little girls that love to talk and have interesting personalities. And there they are. Pray for me, please. Uh, Gabrielle is 14, and Isabel is 9. I was born in a small town in East Texas named Huntington, Texas, in a Christian home with my single mother and my little sister. We went to church every single day and, uh, and twice on Sunday. Most of the time, I, I fell asleep in church, probably because I was tired from being at the local church all the time. My biological father was never around, and, and, and uh, that really had left a void in the beginning part of my life uh, of not having a father figure to guide me. What was important to him was drinking alcohol and extramarital affairs. If you look back at the Bugs family tree, you'll see that, that the lack of, of the presence of a father figure in extramarital affairs was very common. When we then moved to Dallas, Texas, and I turned six years old, my mother remarried, and I finally had the father figure that I had yearned so hard for. We began, we, we began to continue to, uh, to go to church, not every day, but often. Uh, the funny thing about going to the local church is that I began to learn about this man named Jesus. My, my father would uh, take me to men's Bible studies on Wednesdays at Oakland Bible Fellowship. Uh, we, we prayed together. He coached my basketball team, and the Lord used him to lead me to salvation in Christ. A small voice in, in my ear began to tell me, I have something great for you. I grew up with my parents and two younger brothers in a border town called Del Rio. I was a straight-A student, semi-athletic, and had a solid group of friends and very close extended family. Overall, I was a pretty good girl. Growing up, my parents had a very Mexican cultural marriage. My mom served with a kind heart, had breakfast, lunch, and dinner made. She would tend to work, kids, and home, never complaining. We understood that what my dad said was it. We were not to question him or his decisions or be disrespectful. We grew up in a Catholic household. We attended church every Sunday and on special holidays. We would go to church functions and have rosaries monthly. I grew up listening about Christ and his life, but never knew what it meant to have a relationship with him. I saw my family struggle at home with family issues, pregnancies, monies, disagreements, but we would never share with others about what was going on. I learned early on that what happened in a home was to not be shared. As a young man, I began to feel the effects of this reality of really not having a father figure there. So I turned to R&B music and movies to shape my worldview. You know, Usher, Jagged Edge, Chris Brown, Brian McKnight, y'all know who they are. Just to name a few. But, but my favorite artist to listen to. One night, I was awakened to screams coming from my mother and father's bedroom. That was the first time that I learned that my new father had been physically abusing my wife. I meant my wife, my mama. Lord Jesus. <laughs> uh, during my middle school uh, and high school time, this new reality would become very common in our household. My father being escorted out of the home by police because of domestic abuse um, of my mother was not surprising to me. During those times, I would turn to two things to help me cope with these realities, my R&B music and movie worldview and Christ Jesus. Most of the time, the R&B music and movies worldview would be my preferred method of coping. This worldview taught me how to find a woman, treat a woman, and about sex. But that small voice in my ear continued to tell me that I have something great for you. And as a teenager, my family continued the same pattern of attending church with no relationship with Christ being cultivated. One night, I was up late watching a movie by myself. The movie ended, and an adult movie began. Before I knew it, I was watching pornography. 
I can remember not being able to sleep that night and being uneasy the rest of the week. It was a horrible feeling, but it was too late. Pornography had been introduced into my life. I turned 15 and did what the rest of my cousins did when they turned 15. We would go to the clubs in Mexico, drink and dance. By 16, I was a regular at the clubs and started having inappropriate relations with guys. I began having a very promiscuous way of thinking, saying, I won't have boyfriends, only have relations with them so they can't hurt me. But my thinking was off. As I had promiscuous dates with guys, I would get hurt and so my appetite for pornography grew with it. I was able to watch from my room since my parents trusted me so much, and I became so numb to it that no one knew what I was doing. I remember one time my cousin came to fix my computer, and he let me know that he could see what was on my history, and I simply left the room. He didn't tell my parents, and I learned how to erase the history. Um, I didn't notice then, but the Lord was providing a way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. But my sin pattern continued. During my high school and in colleges, this is when I began to uh, become more promiscuous in my relationship with women. I started to ignore that small voice in my ear. I began to date a, a young lady, and things b began to get very serious, and marriage was on the table. This lady fit the worldview that was taught to me at a young age. Suddenly, that relationship ended, and I was heartbroken, but even the heartbrokenness fit the worldview that I was taught. Uh, during the latter part of my college years, I, began to, uh, I became serious about my relationship with Christ. That's also when I first met this little Cynthia here. Okay, gal, let me set this scene here. She was walking. <laughs> to the student unit at UT Dallas. Her hair was blowing in the wind. I'm not lying. <laughs> everything, everything around her stopped moving, and there was a small spotlight just on her. Y'all, I'm not lying. <laughs> I said to myself, who is that? And one of those R&B songs came to mind. But I kind of insulted her by telling her that uh, she was too wild for me to date. Uh, the first time uh, we had a discussion, I actually shared the gospel with her. As soon as, as I got done, I ran outside and called the pastor who had begun to disciple me. And told, and, and told him that I shared the gospel with someone. He said, what did she say? I replied, I don't know, but I shared the gospel with some with her. He said, son, it would probably be wise for you to follow up with her to, to, to see if she accepted Christ. Little did I know that little voice began to talk to her in her ear also. At Christmas time, Cynthia called me to inform me that she accepted Christ as her savior. I had no clue what Christ was doing behind the scenes, uh, but she uh, became the first person that Christ used me to lead to him. We immediately went to courtship, and three years later, we were married. So after high school, I went to UT Dallas, and being the first one in my family and second in my extended family to go to college, my dad did not want me to stay in a dorm alone. And since we don't question what he said, I came to live with my aunt and uncle and their three kids. This living arrangement saved me from getting too wild. I continued to have inappropriate relationships with guys, but I would always come back home. I continued to get my heart broken and kept watching pornography. Then one day, I walked to the student union and met a quiet guy. That's me. You weren't. Named Liddell Bucks. Uh -huh. Not much was said, but there was something different about him. He asked me a very important question. Do you know Christ? And I said, well, I'm Catholic. He said, that's not what I asked. He continued to share the gospel, and that seed uh, was planted. Um, going home over Christmas break, I accepted Christ and called him to share my joy. Um, after that Christmas break and a few months of spending lots of time together discussing Christ, learning how to read the Bible, attending church, um, Liddell had a, uh, we had an important, important conversation. He said, I am not looking for a girlfriend, I'm looking for a wife. 
and I responded with, I'm looking for a husband, and we went straight into courtship. We had an agreement in place that kept us from having premarital sex. We were in courtship for three years and kept our agreement. I kept using porn sporadically, feeling guiltier, but not letting Liddell know anything about my struggle. But two days before our wedding day, my old friend, the R&B Music and, and Movies Worldview showed up. The young lady that I had a serious relationship with years before I met Cynthia called me and asked me if I was going to if I was going through with marrying Cynthia, of course I said yes, but a terrible seed had been planted. After saying I do, that seed would often pop in my head, and I began to ask the question, have I married the right person? Four years into our marriage, that young lady uh, contacted me again to see if I would leave my wife for her. I told her no, but I did not tell, I did not inform my wife of our conversation. A couple years later, she uh, reached out to me again. She was very persistent. And, and <laughs> we began to have an, an, an emotional affair. My wife had no clue what I was doing. The little voice in my ear would tell me, don't continue, but I, I ignored it. So once we got married, I was thinking, this is it. Liddell's going to fix my issues, and we are set for life. I was wrong. Our first year married was rocky, especially since I got pregnant about six months in. We became task-oriented and soon became roommates. I stayed away from pornography for the first year, but after that, all bets were off. We continued to attend church on Sundays and always with a smile on our faces. I attended women's Bible studies, but the relationships never went beyond the four walls. We were doing what my family used to practice. What happens at home stays at home. My wife found out about the affair while, I was, while, we, while we were watching a, a movie called Temptation. I had to come clean to her about the affair, but I conveniently left out some details. She was heartbroken about, about the entire thing, and I thought she would never look at me the same. And after he shared about the affair, I was hurt and could not understand how he could do this or why. But I went to the Lord and asked him for wisdom. I talked with a good friend, and her words of wisdom left one single word on my mind, hope. I remember waking up and making him breakfast the next morning because I understood that if I allowed my heart to start building walls, they would be harder to break down. We both knew we wanted to stay married. We just didn't know what to do or where to start. We call this section the turnaround, y'all. Yeah. Watch God flex. Um, uh, we went back to, we went back to, I went back to the one thing that I knew uh, would never let me down. That was Christ Jesus himself. I confessed the affair to some guys that I had been walking with. They encouraged me and, re and referred me to Scott Kadersha from Watermark. Scott informed me about a great ministry called Reengage, And he told me about, he told me to watch Rule and Susan Cox story. Now, after I watched this story, I concluded that if God could fix that, he could do wonders with ours. Yeah, so Liddell took that um, leadership and looked for classes, guidance, counseling, something to help us with our marriage. We were directed to Watermark, and the rest is history, or like we say, the beginning of a new chapter. Liddell was sold, but I was still hurt. Um, he showed me the re-engage clip, and I was sold once we saw the couple. The first Wednesday, we were greeted with open arms, and I was embarrassed that this was happening to me. I heard the testimony, and I was hooked. I'm not the only one in this situation. We came back the following week, and I heard, come clean to your spouse to get the most out of this journey. We went home, and I told Adele that I had been watching pornography for years. He was deeply hurt, but we got into small group and dove head first. We were all in. Joel 2.25 says, I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. We dove right into open groups and immediately saw Christ's hand in our marriage. After the second meeting, we had, my wife told me she had to confess something to me. She had been watching porn all through our marriage and, ha and had been hiding it from me. She hid it so well, I thought she worked for the CIA. Uh, I, began, I, I became very angry at her because while she was wounded because of my indiscretion, she continued to hide hers from me. 
I thank the Lord for Reed Griffin. Reed shared with me that my wife and I had, had, have had blessed with an opportunity to help each other walk in areas where we were weak in. That little voice in my ear named the Holy Spirit began to show me those greater things he had in store for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know uh, what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. So after we engaged, we went back to attending our previous church home and got back into our old routines. Business, work, two children now, and upkeep took a toll on our marriage as we were not in community where we could be held accountable to using the tools we had learned at re-engage. Time passed, and Liddell let me know that he had reached out to his ex-girlfriend again, and I let him know that I had watched pornography again. Remembering the tools from re-engage, we were able to listen to each other and reach out for guidance. Since we didn't have community, we called our old re-engage group, and they admonished us and advised us to get a community together. Oh, yes. After God showed us the need for community, we migrated back to Watermark, and here we are now. We became members, got into community group, began serving as greeters at Reengage, and now leaders. We are not perfect, but we really try to use the Bible as a filter when speaking with each other and dealing with our issues. Each year, we have seen improvements in our marriage. We continue to use the wisdom and practices that we have learned here. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. My wife and I began to uh, become more vulnerable and transparent with one another by drawing the circle around ourselves and owning our part. We, we begin to master the art of asking thought-provoking questions to solve the core of our issues. We began to experience the true freedom kingdom culture that Christ speaks about in the Bible. John 8.32 says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Uh, our minds begin to be transformed. We begin to grow into oneness spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally. We begin to walk in the, in the authority that Christ had given us. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The skills and wisdom that the Lord Jesus Christ taught us through the resource of Reengage prepared us for an event that would challenge our faith like it's never been challenged before. Early in 2019, we were excited to be adding another child to the Bucks household. It would have been our third child and first boy. But on June 2nd, 2019, we gave birth to our stillborn son at 27 weeks. This situation literally rattled us. That's so close. I got it. Yeah. Um, it rattled us spiritually, mentally, and emotionally at our core. Um, the one constant we have in this new reality is the same constant that res resurrected our marriage, the Lord Jesus. He is the only one that, through his word, speaks truth by reminding us that to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your understanding, Proverbs 3, 5. He is the only one that, through his spirit, comforts us by wrapping his arms around us and reminding us that he can relate to the pain and hurt we are feeling. Give me a second, y'all. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know you and the power of resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He is the only one that through his people reminds us daily that it's possible to grieve well if we continue to view our son's passing through the lens of Christ and not our own. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. In conclusion, we want, you, we want to remind you that God's word, God's people, God's spirit invokes change if you are vulnerable enough to allow that change to take place. Thank you, guys. Thank you.